This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Welcome to the Candid Life podcast, where we turn our broken hallelujahs into melody lines of impact. I'm your host, Lydia Gargo. Today I am recording from Manchester, UK, where I'm visiting with my parents. So if you hear the hum in the back of the fridge and the ticking of the clock, I am definitely at home. I have the pleasure of interviewing my dad. He is 90 years old. He's a retired teacher and a home care provider, um, Renee Bachway. Good evening, Renee. Good evening. <laughs> this is so funny. It should really be good evening, Dad. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so today we are going to be talking about what I call in sickness and in health. Uh, specifically, we are going to focus on three main areas. Segment one, I am calling knowing you, getting to know my dad a little bit more. Segment two is life's challenges. And segment three, being in the present. So let's go ahead and jump right in. And dad, I just want you to tell our listeners a little bit more about you. So, of course, you were born in Ghana, West Africa. You did your... Oh, no, you weren't born in Ghana, West Africa? Talk to me about that. I was born in Lume, Togo. Oh, look at which that. Which is still in West Africa. Okay. On the 3rd of February, 1931, I had French education to start with before I moved to Ghana in 1944 to start learning English, which I learned at Vaku Primary School. So from the secondary school, so from Vaku uh, Primary School, mm -hmm. you went on to secondary school. I'm yeah. going to kind of fast track you a little bit. Okay. And then you moved on to training, training your teacher training, yeah. right? So he did complete his secondary school and he did pass, by the way. Mm -hmm. But I'm just trying to move him on a little bit. So you went on to do your teacher training. Teacher training. Right. Where did you do that? I did my teacher training partly in Kumasi. So you did that partly in Kumasi. What made you decide to be a teacher? I just decided to become a teacher because of one of my teachers in secondary school who was very good and influential. Right. Right. And his attitude towards everybody was very satisfactory. And so I decided to teach and see what is in the process. That's fantastic. So you, you completed your teaching and then you had a little bit of teaching experience in Ghana, right? Yes. And then you moved on to Zambia for a period of time. Yes. For roughly 22 years. For 22 years. Well, in the middle of all that transitioning, going to, to, to Zambia to teach for a while, you also got married, yes? Yeah. And in the process had five beautiful children, in which I am one of them. 
<laughs> Believe it or not, I am one of them. So you taught in England for in Ghana for a while, went to Zambia yeah. for a season, and then um, you decided to retire from Zambia and come to England <clears throat> to join your wife and uh, at the time your two children, mm -hmm. uh, myself and my brother Peter, mm -hmm. because the others had gone to the States to study. Yes. yes. So when you came to England, Manchester in particular, um, why didn't you continue to teach? Well, I tried to teach, but I was told that uh, I didn't train in England. Okay. So the best thing is to go back to the college for about one year, after which I can teach. And I said, well, I have enough of teaching for over 30 years, and therefore I'd like to do something different. When a friend invited me to join the social services healthcare system, mm -hmm. and that is how I moved on to healthcare, and I never regretted what I've seen there, what I've done there, my experiences have helped me day and night to show love, sympathy to anyone who is sick. Help, you are called to go and give help. And you must do that sincerely. And you have the blessings from it. That's fantastic. I mean, can you maybe share one particular moment during this um, healthcare provision service that you were rendering at the time that really, really struck your heart and just really impacted you very strongly? I was looking after an elderly woman, not very far away from where I am now, and whenever I go to her, I prepare her food. Taste it. Oh, thank you very much. It is very warm. So, whenever I go back, I said, you are the only one who gives me warm food. So I told others that I will never eat again from them. I saw we became friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She liked my cooking, and I like her way she speaks to me. But unfortunately, one day I went, she wasn't there. So I was told she was taken to the hospital. And I went and saw her at the hospital. The food brought to her, she didn't eat it. I said, look, this is very cold. When I told the nurses, they never minded me. I'm sorry, I can't take it away from you to go and warm it for you. This unfortunate. The second visit, I saw that the kettle was drawn around and I know that she's no longer there. I talked to the nurse, oh yeah, she died uh, last night. So she died. I said, oh, it's okay. So I tried to see her home and somebody directed me to where I could meet the relatives. And when I went, the relatives were very happy with me. Oh, our sister told us how you cared for her in the hospital, but um, uh, in, in her home. But when she was taken to the hospital, the nurses didn't 
look after her properly and that is the end of her life. I said, yes, your sister was very, very good. She appreciated whatever I did for her, especially food. Now thank God that somebody has appreciated the work that I've done for her, but I'm sorry she has gone away mm. and we will never meet again. So I expressed my sympathy to the family and went back. I came home. Yeah, that's a, that's that a pretty remarkable story. Uh, mm. A situation I will never, never forget. Mm. Because here is somebody you are caring for. She appreciated what you were doing for her. And somebody stepped in and the wrong thing was done and resulting into death. Well, I have no authority over death or life, but it's unfortunate. Mm. Yes. Mm. I mean, just listening to that makes you realize that when you have an opportunity to do the, do the right thing, do the best you do can, the best do you the can. best you can. That's true. Um, before we move on to our second section, I just want to bring us back um, to um, to the fact that, of course, you got married. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how you met mom and, you know, what led on to the romance. No, meeting your mom was a miracle mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because it was unknown to me. I went to see a friend's girlfriend. And she told me, oh, my girlfriend returned from Britain. Mm -hmm. She went to Manchester to do a course. She has completed, so she was back. And I said, okay, let's go and see her. Let's go. Oh, yes, I'll take you to go and greet her. So we went. And when we knocked at the door and she opened it, she came out. I said, your name? Angelica. You'll be my wife. <laughs> then she asked me, who is this type of gentleman who met a woman for the first time? He does not even know his, <laughs> her name. And decided to marry her. I said, you'll be my wife. And that was the beginning and the end of the story. <laughs> I think that's a very bold statement, <laughs> just coming out and, of uh, meeting somebody and saying you'll be their wife. Yeah, everybody in her family opposed the idea. You, don't, you have never seen this man before. You don't even know his name. And you decided to become his wife. The only person who said nothing was my father. Right. You want to marry from Pekin? I say yes. Okay, I'll pray for you. And my father put it into prayers. And I've seen the results of that prayer. We got married. And we have five children. That's fantastic. Two girls. <laughs> and two, three boys. And we have seen the miracle that God performed in our life. To start with, three of the children went to the same university in America on scholarship. Two boys, one girl. And the rest came to Britain to join their mother. One girl, one boy. 
interestingly, God has provided for us so much. The first girl married a white, they have three children. I put a full stop there. The last boy married a white, they also have three children. I put a stop there. The two boys, one had two girls, the other had two, two <coughs> boys. And the last lady in the group has two boys and twin girls. I asked myself, how did God plan all this for us? Because we didn't marry, we didn't suggest who to marry or who not to marry to any one of them. But we have seen that they are all very happy and above all, the grandchildren also like to go to church and sing praises to the Lord. This has shown us that believe in the Lord our God and you will see wonderful things happening in your life. And that is what I've seen and I continue to see because my wife is now not well at all. And in spite of her sickness, we have evening prayers where we sing praises to God and pray to Him. This is my life, and the greatest gift from my father was to wake up in the night and pray. And that has become part and parcel of me. That I wake up, I rise up in the night and pray to our God and Father who cares for us. A stronghold our God is, a bulwark that never faileth. This has been my father's favorite song. He played it on the organ around 3 a.m. every day when he was alive before on his knees and call on God to direct his affairs. And this is what he has left for me and I thank God that the results that I've been seeing daily shows that when you call to him, he will answer you. I have never, I've seen so many answers every night. Call to me and I'll answer you. I'll show you great and mighty things which you have never seen. And I thank God for his love for us. And we shall continue to praise him. And I encourage the children also to seek him, call on him, praise him, and believe in his love and his faithfulness. He will definitely answer their prayers and they will see the miracle in their life. If you are joining us, you are listening to the Candid Life podcast, and I'm your host, Lydia Gago. I'm here today with Renee Bachre, who is my dad. Uh, today, we are discussing in sickness and in health. In the last segment, we just talked about my dad. I allowed um, him to just share a little bit about himself, his background from 
um, his schooling, his teaching, and then moving into the home care industry. We're going to move on right now and look at the section which I call life's challenges, what we call life's challenges. My mom, who was an ophthalmic nurse for many, many years um, at the Royal Eye Hospital in Manchester, came off um, working at the hospital on medical grounds. She had suffered a sciatica and that just turned into quite a number of um, health challenges over the years. So I just want us to talk a little bit more about that. And as time went on, she uh, was diagnosed with um, illness, which my dad will address. So Dada, oh, I call it Dada. <laughs> my, my mother, Angelica, um, was at working at the eye hospital for quite a number of years mm -hmm. and retired on medical grounds because of the sciatica mm -hmm. um, and was off for quite a number of years mm -hmm. with that. And then eventually had surgery on her back mm -hmm. and that improved the quality of her life, right? For, for quite a season. And then what happened next? What happened next was one day she complained about eye problem the diagnosed and gave her a treatment. Then she thought about her back. Then I took her to the hospital. She had an operation. And gradually she started moving from one corner to another. Until luckily she got a very, very good doctor, Dr. Telford who decided to examine the whole body and find out what was the pr problem. And we have to go to this hospital, go to that, go to this, until, well, they came to the conclusion that nothing is wrong as such, but she's becoming weaker and weaker. Then the dementia people came in and said, well, she used to forget so many, you may finish eating now, the two of you, in about five minutes, she would tell her, did you eat today? I thought the dementia people came in, I started taking us out. Even that hasn't solved the problem as such, but at least it has helped us to meet other people suffering from the same thing, being treated in social way. And so our main target now is to pray and give thanks to the Lord for all that he has been doing for us and to commit her into his care to take control. Every evening we sing songs of praise, study the Bible, and then give thanks to the Lord. So we are in the Lord's hand. He is in control. We are not. This is a fact, and that is what we know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just curious. So, what were the signs? So you, you noticed that she was very forgetful. Of mm -hmm. course, she had gone through that season where she was just not well, and you were back and forth 
going to one appointment after another, and it was just a lot. And so um, apart from the forgetfulness, what other signs did you notice that were causing you concern? The main thing that caused me concern is cooking in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Because she will go, put this down, put that down. She doesn't know what she's really aiming at. Okay. And so my fear as a carer, I told her, don't go to the kitchen. I'll do the cooking and we shall eat. Right, right. To have peace. I don't want anyone to come and ask me tomorrow that your wife is not well. You know it yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you allow her to do this or that or that. Mm -hmm. I would like to hear that. Okay. So that is my main concern. Has there been, yeah, that's, sorry for cutting in there. Has there been anything else that um, has been a concern for you in terms of your interaction? This is your, this is your wife, right? This is your wife. And so how is that, you know, you, I mean, you've married her for now 55 years. You've been married for 55 years now. How did you feel, though, seeing your, you know, your, your wife really struggling earlier on with these memory challenges? How did it make you feel? Now, I must confess that I thank God that I'm a teacher by profession. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And the lesson is you look at the thing, you don't answer the questions, and then you move on. Because if you start answering questions, that will bring tension between the two of you. Hence, my training as a teacher is to give encouragement, not to stop people, but to give encouragement mm -hmm. in certain ways. And if you see that that encouragement will not help that person, then you ask the person to do something else which will be helpful. Okay. And that is what has really helped me. So can you give just can you give our listeners a practical example of that? A practical example is she will be in the kitchen taking the knife to do this and that. I say, excuse me, you can't cut this. Sit down and I'll cut it for you. Then she said, sit down, watch the television. And she would go and sit down, watching the television, I'll do the cooking. Because using the knife, she may cut herself, and that will be a wound. And the question is, you are the carer. How come that you have left your wife to do this? I wouldn't like to hear it. So in a way, you know, just r realizing, of course, how... Um, vulnerable she is yeah. and just you know maybe with the forgetfulness and different things you just don't feel that it's at this point anyway safe to allow her to do certain things by herself yeah. but but I you know I mean I've been in the house now and um, she is doing some things of course you know that are not risky yeah. you know in the, in that way and exactly. i think it's so and i feel that it's so important to allow her to continue to do some things in the house because i think you know knowing that she's always been around 
She's been a provider. She's been a hard worker. She's been so committed. We all have that desire to, to feel a sense of worth and also feel that we are contributing to whatever it is that's going on in the house, in the family. You know, and I think that's a, a, an important part of our lives that is needed. You know, we all need to feel that sense of worth and feel that we've, we're contributing something towards the family. So seeing her even sweeping and wiping the table, whatever the case is, gives her a sense of purpose um, because she feels that she's contributing. And um, I think just seeing that in your partnership over the years has, has definitely been uh, a great blessing. But I do have to ask you, though, you are the primary carer of Dada right now. How has that been for you? Because, I mean, as much as you are taking, I mean, you, you did say to me that the two most important things for you is making sure that she has her medication and that she's well taken care of in that respect. And also having the, uh, the Bible's the services that you diligently prepare mm -hmm. every single day and I've been part of them and I've been blessed and I've definitely seen that um, just having the daily word in her life and in her mind has made such a difference to her continued recovery. I mean, I've seen people who have experienced dementia and some of them are nowhere near in terms of clarity of mind nope. as that that is. And I believe that having the word in her life has made such a difference. Mm -hmm. But that set aside for a minute. How have you been coping? What are you doing to help yourself, you know, refresh or reset? Because you're constantly on the go all the time to try and meet the other's needs. What are you doing for yourself so that you don't get burnt out? For myself, my faith is what is keeping me moving. Every second before I move out, I pray for strength. And when I return safely home, I give thanks to the Lord for granting me safe travel and helping me to get what I wanted. I was telling her about the miracles that have been happening. And I explained that, look, I never expected this to happen. I'll go and buy things from the shop, from the market, come and stand by the road, the, the bus stop, and then the right bus will just come to pick me up. And this has happened several times. So when I return, I'll tell her that another miracle has been performed today. This is what happened. Well, thank God. And one example I gave to nearly million people was the two of us got appointment on the same day and the time difference was about 10 minutes. But from point A to point B, it is quite a distance. After we went to her surgery for treatment, she was the first to be treated and we came back to stand by the roadside waiting for a taxi. One was coming, one arrived, I stopped it. We went in and took us to where we are to go. When we came out, I asked the driver, how much are we paying? He said, you go, you go. 
We wait, we arrive about five minutes earlier, and so we got treatment. Not telling us that we are five minutes late, so rebook and that will send you for about another one week or two before carnival. That very day. I told my wife, God has heard our prayers in the evening before we came out and we have seen his hand in action. That's <laughs> what so we tell God. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think, you know, just thinking as well, that even during this time that you've been looking after um, your wife, Angelica, you yourself had some health challenges yes. as well, you know, <laughs> and of course she came along, you know, to, to support as best as she could in the season. Of course, Peter, your son who lives in Kenilworth has also been an invaluable part yeah. of this equation. Uh, maybe you can share with our, our listeners just very, very briefly though, about your incident of um, the hot water when uh, you, you, you had suffered a cold and you were trying to treat yourself with this inhalation, I should say, folks, something that we do very, very, very much in our country. Tell us what happened in, in that occasion. Now, that evening, I had a very nasty cold, cough, and I decided to inhalate hot water. Water was put in the bucket. As I was inhaling eating, as if somebody came and took the bucket up and poured water on my leg. It was a burn, a big burn. I went to the hospital that evening. I was scared. The following day, I was transferred to another hospital within shore where the treatment continued. And I remember the nurse asked, what happened? So I was just inhaling. Then all of a sudden, I see somebody came in and poured water on me. Mm. Oh, that's very unfortunate. And uh, I spent, I think, three days at Wilson Show Hospital. And I was discharged. And I had to go to MRI for treatment. And luckily, everything came to an end. But you can see the scar after it, mm -hmm. more than mm -hmm. three years. Wow. Yes, I remember the first time I saw that, it you was... You can see the scar after it, today. Yeah, it was... It reminded me mm. that hot water poured there. Yeah. But, you know, I, I see that scar, as painful as it is, but also a scar of God's grace, right? Mm -hmm. That it really could have been so much worse than it was but by the grace of god mm -hmm. you know he delivered you you know from that and you are you're still here you're 90 years old and you 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 have the scar that as a reminder as painful as it is oh, yeah, the reminder of god's grace um over your over your life okay um folks if you are joining us this is the Candid Life podcast, mm -hmm. and I am your host, Lydia Gago. I am here today with my 90-year-old dad. In the last session, in the last segment, we had a look at life's 
challenges. We talked a little bit about life's challenges. Now we are going to move on to the last segment. And in this last segment, we are calling it being in the present. The discussion topic we are looking at is in sickness and in health. For those who are married, you know, those vows in sickness and in health, a lot of the time we say them at the altar. I don't think we think too deeply about them. But when you are going through a very challenging season in your life, you realize that the words that you stand in front of everybody and stand in front of that altar before God mm. and all those witnesses truly get tested and they have been tested and continue to be tested even today in uh, my parents' life. But even in that season of testing, you know, God has been faithful. So as we move into this last segment, which we are calling being in the present, I am going to ask my dad just a couple of quick questions to help us see the goodness of God in your life in this season. And since coming, I didn't even know that my dad did this. But one of the things that he does every morning and every evening, well, when he's preparing the medication for my mom, is writing these little notes on serviettes or paper napkins. He writes these little notes like, take me today, <laughs> or um, God is good, or some just some kind word of encouragement. And he has it there with the medication and a little cookie or a biscuit for her to eat with. And when I saw that, that was such a beautiful thing. Um, and it really warmed my heart. Why did you decide to do that? Why did you start doing that? Right. Let's start. In 1947, my aunt, who really brought me to life, told me that one day you get married, why your wife is sick, nobody will come and cook for her. You have to do the cooking. And so she taught me how to cook. Then gradually, my experience in various healthcare centers taught me that you have to support the person you are helping. Your background is different. That doesn't matter. God is the same. He said, call to me and I will answer you. And that has become my goal every day. And that is how I treat my wife too. Give, giving her the medication is fine, but reminding her that there is a power behind all that is very important. And so I normally write shortcut notes. Give thanks to the Lord. Good morning. It's a new day. Thanks to the Lord. Good evening. God has been with you. Give him thanks. And so I write these short notes and put them on the medication before handing them over to her to remind her that there's a spirit that is guiding us, protecting us. And so we have to give him thanks all the time in every situation. Mm -hmm. You can't run away. God is there. If you haven't seen him with your own eyes, 
the Spirit guides you. He said, call to me, and I will answer you. Try it, and I pray you'll be answered. Thank you so much for sharing that and the motivation. And I've also seen just practical ways, preparing breakfast, making sure that she's fed, she's fed on time, calling, you know, because she has specific times that she has to have her medication. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just that call to remind her to do that, especially when you've stepped out. Um, Another thing that I wanted to mention for quite a while peter of course your son in kenilworth has been trying to bring help in to the house and i know initially you were quite resistant to people coming into the house i mean what was it that was actually causing that resistance no i also did this work before and i know what happened Mm -hmm. the report that we receive in the office mm-hmm. are many. Mm-hmm. This person has gone into this person's house, removed some money. This person has done this. That person has done this. And I asked myself, why should you then allow yourself to enter something where you see the temp- you can resist the temptation? And so originally, I feel strongly that there's no need asking anybody to come in. I'll do the bit that I can. God will provide the strength and I'll do it. Right. So that was the reason why I, because I also did the same thing in the past, but not taking people's things away. Okay, so the resistance really was the fact that you didn't want people to come into the house mm-hmm. and then take something. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't so much that you didn't want the help. No. Okay, okay. So what changed for you? No, they, they, I've seen Peter working very hard, and so I decided to support him. Brought about the change. Right. And I've been keeping an eye of those coming in and out, the way they behave. And at least these ladies are... They've been okay. They uh, are living okay. Okay. Doing the right yeah. Cause he, well, thank you so much for clarifying that, because we were wondering, was it your pride that was in the way? <laughs> it was more of the practical oh. element of it because I mean we've been you know we've been constantly praying for help and support and oh. things like that it's and not you know pride, but the attitude it was the attitude okay I told you that the ladies uh, when they buy, the others come they don't eat the food for her to eat so it was just really so it was part of your experience from yeah. before that dictated how you were mm-hmm. reacting. Okay, so that's, well, that's good to know. It's good to know because I think that's very, very important. Having experienced that you want people who are going to come, are going to be committed and and serve correctly. Because truly, you know, in God answering your prayer, like you said, asking for God's help and strength and also seeing what your son um, Peter is doing and trying to come alongside him in support by inviting these women and and really praying that they are going to do right for you. Um, Not only takes some pressure off Peter, because he also has a family, Mm -hmm. a wife and family in in Kenilworth, Mm -hmm. but it also takes a little bit of pressure off of you as well, as a spouse. And, you know, gives you a little bit of breathe room 
as well because you are with you know your wife all night you take care of her you do all the things that need to be done you know and then right and then you also have a, a lot of other commitments as well and so just having a little bit of break for yourself as well i think is also um, not only mentally refreshing for you but also gives you a sense of or, or gives you a time to reset so um, I really appreciate that a lot. So let's just uh, be wrapping up with this. If you, what, what advice would you give anybody who is helping a, a spouse who has some health challenges in their later years of life? What advice would you give them? I would tell them, nobody has seen God with his own eyes. But I believe that the Spirit is there. If you call, He will answer you. I have seen it several times. Mm -hmm. So all that you have to believe that there is a Spirit guiding you. And you call on the Lord to help. Mm -hmm. He will help you. That's true. He will help you. I am saying this emphatically. What is going on is not a joke. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I have to change the bed in the night. And why are you changing the bed? Wet. Wet bedding, okay. The urine just come. Okay, she has more. urine challenges, okay. Oh, so I have to change the bed, mattresses. I then put on a new one for the, day, for the rest of the night. Another thing is, I thank God that I wake up to pray. Because after praying, I take the pills that she will take praying on them and then I bring them to her. And uh, I think one or twice, I came exactly at the time ready for the taking of the medicine. She took it as another miracle has happened. Fantastic. And see it. This is the candid life. So my question to you is, what does it mean to you in this season? to live the candid life. What does it mean for you? It means what you read in the Bible, put it into practice. Sometimes the passage I read tells do this, do that, do that. So, thank you, Lord. Mm -hmm. And it is important. If you put the things into practice, you'll be fine. Now, why the nurses saw the wound today and removed that broken bone? They were confused. Then I said, well, the Lord is healing me, so I'm not bothered. He will give me the, 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 the leg to walk up and down and bring the things that we need. And that is a fact. That is a fact. All that you need is believe, call, and you get the answer. Thank you so much, Renee. It's been a pleasure um, talking to you today. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us on the Candid Life podcast, where we focused on in sickness and in health. Specifically, we talked about knowing you, which was getting to know my dad a little bit. And then we looked at life's challenges. And finally, we ended on being 
in the present, making the most of today, making the most of every moment. We hope you have learned something today and enjoyed the show. On behalf of myself, Lydia Gago, and Renee, say thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Candid Life Podcast. Until next time. Inaendeshwa na Afripods.